Well, central banks haven't quieted down yet for Christmas. The ECB has been out with the We're All Hawks Now messaging. The RBA releases the minutes of the last meeting and all eyes will be on whether the idea of a pause was even discussed. China will be announcing whether they're going to be changing their loan rates. No. And the Bank of Japan will be reviewing what they're doing, which right now is not much at all. And what's the path for the RBNZ versus the RBA? What's that doing to the Aussie Kiwi dollar cross? It's Tuesday, the 20th of December, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks are still feeling the pressure. A 1.5% fall in the Nasdaq. The S&P 500 is down 0.9% at close and the Dow down half a percent. Yet in Europe, shares are on the up. A 0.4% rise in the FTSE 100. The DAX and the CAC Caron both up about 0.3%. And U.S. bond yields are rising. U.S. 10-year yields are up 10 basis points, up to 3.58%. Still well down from that peak of 4.3% we saw in late October. And two-year yields up five basis points today. Very minor movements in the U.S. dollar. It's up ever so slightly on the DXY index. The Aussie has bounced back a little. It's up 0.2%. It was up a bit more earlier. It's around 67 US cents now. The euro is up almost 0.2%. And oil back on the up this morning, a 1.9% rise in WTI. And Brent is up uh, 1.7%, up over $80 again. So no Santo rally. In fact, I suspect there won't be one this Christmas. What do you reckon? Nabsku Jigo Catrill joins me uh, from Sydney this morning. There was a piece in Forbes actually this week uh, about how Schroeder had looked at US large cap stocks since 1926 and the month with the greatest likelihood of a gain is December, almost 78% uh, chance of gains in December. The next highest is November with 65%. But so far this month, well, the S&P 500 is down 6%, although it did rise in November. But this month, obviously, Santa, obviously very concerned about what the Fed is going to do, like everybody else is. <laughs> yes, Phil. Uh... It's certainly been uh, the, the takeaway from this round of central banks has been how hawkish they are and determined they are in terms of bringing inflation down. And uh, if anything, uh, you know, the takeaway post the, the Fed meeting has been, you know, the emphasis that, um, you know, Fed Daly, for instance, had made that it's not just her, but it's all of them uh, within the FOMC that uh, don't see rate cuts, for instance, in 2023. And they all see that the need to, to keep, you know, policy restrictive. Um, so it's quite a big contrast, for instance, with the Bank of England. The Bank of England, surprisingly, you know, it, it, there's so diverse views in terms yeah. of what, what to do next. Uh, but meanwhile, when so you look at the Fed, it's very much a, a uniform view that there's a need there to, to keep um, policy restrictive and also to push back in terms of uh, market pricing. And the ECB, I mean, they are just as hawkish as well. So Peter Casimir from the ECB uh, was talking overnight, basically saying that they're going to lift rates into restrictive territory and it's going to stay there for longer than uh, most people think. Continued risks of rising inflation, a downward trajectory for the economy. uh, And he's worried that fiscal policy might start adding to the inflation risks. I mean, government's helping people out. Got to stamp that out, clearly. So uh, and he's a bit of a left winger because he was in the SMER party in Slovakia, uh, which is a bit bit of a left wing party. But there we are. Another one. Uh, Hawkish everywhere, it seems. Yeah. And I think that that's that's a fair comment as well. I mean, he, he sounded really hawkish and he talked about even recession not being sufficient to tame inflation, um, highlighting the fact that, you know, when you think about, for instance, the energy backdrop, um, you know, Europe cannot really sort of come out in 2023 and, and grow above trend uh, when there's just not enough energy to, to supply that. And, and that in itself will be inflationary. And hence the concerns mm. around, um, you know, 
the, the policy having to, to be restrictive and, and for the fiscal side not to be too uh, stimulatory uh, given, given the, those constraints that we know will be there, um, you know, especially into, into the following winter. So um, and, and adding on to that, we also had um, Luis Guindos uh, speaking and, and talking about the prospects of another 50 basis point hike um, uh, in February as well. So um, that's played into in pricing expectations. We've seen ECB pricing expectations lift um, and there with now the terminal rate up another around around four basis points higher. So now prior to, to the meeting, for instance, the, 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 market, the market was thinking, oh, maybe the cash rate goes towards 280, just below 3%. And now, you know, the market is sinking 325 potentially. So it's been a significant shift in that regard. And one factor that is, you know, keeping the euro supported as well. As well. Uh, yeah, we're seeing stronger data as well, aren't we? Whereas we're starting to see weaker data in the United States. So is that why we're perhaps starting to see, a, you know, perhaps a bit more, even though the Fed would deny it, you know, but this expectation that perhaps they, they, they're going to slow down a bit, whereas in Europe, because we, if, if we look at the, uh, the German IFO, that came in stronger than expected uh, overnight. So the business climate is 88.6, up from 86.4 in November. So it started rising after six straight falls. Expectation has moved from 80.2 to 83.2, which is the highest level of expectations since June. So, and we've seen the, the euro up a little bit this morning as well. I think that might have been helped by the, those numbers. So, you know, the economy is doing a little bit better than people are expecting. Yeah, definitely. And there's that, that general sense that the evidence is fueling this idea that, sure, that it's likely to be a, a, a slowdown and a shallow recession now rather than a deep recession. Um, uh, held along because the, the 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 weather is also not expected to be as severe. Uh, even though you know at the moment Europe is is having a bit of a cold front, um, expectations are that at least the projections for for the winter is that is, is is likely to be a mild one. So that again plays to the view that you know there will there will be enough energy to cope with it. And and surprisingly, you know, activity particularly in Germany has actually been pretty resilient as well. Whereas in the states. Well, so, I mean, the only downside data-wise overnight was the, the NAHB housing market index. That's down to 31. It was 90 this time last year. So they've got low sales, low expectations of future sales, and uh, very low traffic for prospective buyers. But you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Because the interest rates keep on going up. So, hey, yes, the housing index yeah. goes down. And we've seen that in other parts of the world as well, uh, like, for instance, in New Zealand, that all this tightening is, is being reflected in, in the housing market uh, before any other part of, of the economy, mm. where, whilst the services sector is still sort of resilient, if you like. Um, <clears throat> so the, the, the interesting sort of narrative there is like the market seems to be surprised by how aggressive the ACV has been in terms of its hawkishness, hawkishness, whilst on the other side, the market thinks that, you know, the Fed is not going to be able to deliver on its hawkish stance because there's already evidence, not only that the economy is slowing down, but importantly, too, that, you know, these inflation dynamics are also easing and reversing. So, um, of course, at the end, it will, it will depend on how the data delivers. Right, but do they actually pay much attention to the, to the housing data? Because obviously there's a direct relationship between what they do and what happens to the housing sector. They're causing it in, in effect. So do they just ignore that and just treat it as collateral damage? Well, you know, um, you asked me that question. It's quite interesting because I've been doing some studies on that in terms of uh, how to analyse what the Fed does in terms of what they do in terms of speeches. And, and um, one of the things that I've been doing is the kind of word counting. And uh, 
um, just as a sort of sentiment measurement. And the, the, the concerns around the property uh, market are not there. Um, in terms of, you know, for instance, when you compare to the GFC, um, <clears throat> there was a lot of concern around what was going on in, in the housing market, whereas this time around, it's almost like, well, this is actually part of the, the, the medicine that is needed. And, and they're, they're not surprised and also they're not concerned from a financial stability point of view of the decreasing activity and, and, and declining house prices too. So um, for now, I think uh, it's similar to what we've seen in, in Australia as well, is that you know the housing market, of course, is one of the first ones to react to, to the policy tightening. Uh, but at the moment, they're, they're not seen as, as a concern. Um, and particularly given that compared to the GFC as well, um, the financial position of households is a lot better in, in the US. So therefore, not a concern at least not for now. Well, look, I love, you've got to love, love the optimism of the NAHP's chief economist because he said the silver lining is that although this is one of the worst results they've ever had, the decline in the last month is not as steep as it has been. So the slowdown is still slowing, but it's not slowing as fast. So uh, that, that is a very optimistic. Close hour. to the peak bottom or the run <laughs> to the bottom, yeah. yeah but still going down. Uh, so the Aussie dollar doing better than you might expect today, given this, this risk-off mood, particularly in the equity markets in the US. I mean, the S&P is well down, uh, but the Aussie dollar is climbing. So um, how much of that is to do with China? Because we talked yesterday about this, uh, you know, this slightly more gung-ho attitude that seems to be coming from that economics conference they had and this j-shaped recovery that they are talking about is that is that being uh, reflected in the aussie is that what's happening today um yeah i mean i suppose you know if we look at the price action of the aussie over the past week it is a bit of a more of a rangy kind of um stabilization after the decline from you know the highs of just above 68.50 now we we stabilize mm. just above 67 um, uh, but certainly it is showing to it's showing resilience compared to you know the negativity or risk aversion that we've seen in the equity market um, and overall the, the the China dynamics are, are helpful uh, particularly as well the fact that uh, you know commodities in general uh, particularly uh, you know bulk commodities have actually done okay in, in recent times um, saying that you know we, we did see a decline in iron ore prices overnight so uh, it doesn't quite explain the, the, the full the full picture, um, but also um, the Aussie has been battered quite a bit in recent times. So, so I think that uh, a little bit of um, so, if you like, stock taking is, is is occurring at the moment, and and also mm. uh, as you say, that the story coming from China is 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 a positive one over the medium term. Uh, the, the concern is is to what extent that this reopening that is happening a lot faster than expected is, is going to crimp uh, activity over the very near term. Yeah, yeah. But it may, exactly, it may, they may stumble through a, a period of, of high infections. Well, they clearly are, aren't they? But at the Central Economic Work Conference uh, in Beijing last week, they talked about targeted and forceful monetary policy, whatever that is. But uh, the I, I guess a lot of that is going to be yeah, trying to get the property sector back on its feet, isn't it? But uh, Obviously, targeting isn't the aim of the the, the loan prime rate. We get that today. Uh, they're not going to. That's not going to move, is it? Um, no, there's a general view there that after we we see we didn't see a change in the medium term lending facility, uh, that the loan prime rate will will remain unchanged. Uh, the other factor that could affect the, the loan prime rate will be uh, the level of liquidity in, in in the market, and that hasn't been excessive or to to the point of arguing for. A decline in the prime rate as well so 
Overall, for now, the, the focus, uh, as you say, coming from Beijing is very much about providing support to the economy. Importantly, compared to what we've seen or what we had seen in, you know, in the past, past six to 12 months, there's actually a little bit more focus now on the consumer, whereas in the past it's been very much along the lines of supporting um, uh, industry. Uh, and particularly the external side of the of the, uh, of the economy. Uh, so now it is encouraging to see that there's more focus on on the consumer, and I'm pleased mm. to the view of this idea of the reopening and supporting the the revival, uh, not only of confidence within uh, households but also confidence in in businesses as well. So um, the role for the PBOC at the moment is very much on along the lines of a monetary central bank where they're providing a lot of liquidity and credit. Uh, whereas the focus on, on lowering interest rate is, is a little bit more uh, subdued, if you like. Uh, overall, our sense is that there, there will be uh, uh, arguments for a lower uh, uh, prime rate over coming, coming quarters, uh, but not, not as imminently as, as today. So the RBA minutes today, uh, that's going to be the main focus, focus locally. Um, uh, of course, they raised rates by 25 basis points at that meeting. But the question is, uh, did they talk about not doing that or pausing or even going for 50 basis points? I mean, was there much in the statement that uh, gave anything away on that? I don't think that there was really, was there at the last meeting? No, there wasn't. Um, and, and to some extent, you know, it kind of the RBA is sort of leaving its options open uh, in terms of at least speaking that there's a potential for maybe 50 basis point hikes and also the potential for uh, for a pause. Uh, but overall, when when we look at the the data flow, in particular, when we bear in mind that the labour market is still very very strong um, and, and and very tight still, um, we think that the the, the arguments are still going to fall into the idea that further tightening is needed. Um, and at the moment, uh, you know, a lift towards um, going back to 50 basis point hikes uh, is probably a, a bit of a high bar. Uh, and, and the base case for us is still that uh, another 22, 25 basis point hikes in February and March are likely uh, and needed in order to cool down the economy. Um, and um, But anyway, the, in terms of what the minutes may reveal, it, it, we think it will hopefully give us a little bit more color in terms of the rationale for the 25 basis point hike. And, and also set the stage for, for the conditions of, of further hikes uh, over coming months. And New Zealand's consumer confidence yesterday, that hit a, a record low, not surprising perhaps, uh, given the, the way the economy is heading. But, and we've seen the, the, the Kiwi dollar falling as a result of that. But I mean, part of that as well is going to be the relationship between interest rates on, on both sides of the Tasman. And presumably, if 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 New Zealand starts, if the RBNZ starts to slow or stop and the RBA continues, then we're going to see that comparative interest rate uh, narrow and presumably we'll see the, the, the currency sh- shift in the similar direction. Yeah, so I think one of the themes in terms of currencies, particularly for us that you know follow the Aussie in the queue more closely, has been... Uh, the extent of the decline of the Aussie Kiwi cross. Um, mm. To us, it, it looks excessive uh, from a fair value model. The, the Aussie Kiwi cross looks undervalued at current levels. So where do you think it should be right now? Well, uh, our fair value at the moment is suggesting the Aussie should be closer to, to 109, 110. And, and when we look at it in terms of where we think we'll be uh, uh, next year, our forecast is you know, the potential for, for the cross to get all the way to, to 111. Um, the rationale for that is, is, as you say, that that reversal in terms of dynamics from uh, rates differentials. Um, you know, soon next year we'll see there being said 
um, you know, arguing or making the case of being close to, to being done in terms of their tightening cycle. Uh, whilst here in Australia, we think the BA still has a bit of work to do and the market needs to start pricing that, that um, uh, the need for, for higher hikes in higher cash rates in, in Australia as well. So that that reversal in dynamics would play it into, uh, into for, in favor of the cross, as well as the economic dynamics. You know, the, that aggressive tightening that is occurring in, in New Zealand hasn't yet been reflected in, in a, you know, significant decline in activity. And, and we think that next year, that will be the big test for, for uh, New Zealand's activity, um, particularly given the, you know, the lag effects that comes from, from that aggressive tightening in policy. Well, just one central bank to go till Christmas, uh, and <laughs> that is to doubt, well, there might be others, but if the major ones, the Bank of Japan later on today, but there's uh, there's some expect. I mean, they're not expecting to do much, are they? But there is some expectation that maybe there's going to be some sort of review kick-started into, into what exactly they should be doing. Yeah, so the, the, the news of in Japan, or particularly over the weekend and yesterday was all this speculation that uh, uh, the government uh, will review this accord that it has with, with the Bank of Japan in terms of the price target um, and the flexibility of the price target. Um, you know, from a political perspective, it's important to bear in mind that, you know, the government has come under pressure and criticism over its um, inability to, to handle the increase in wages and, and the lack of uh, wages growth, sorry, the increase in inflation and the lack of wages growth. And of course, the, the decline in the in the currency was has been quite significant. So, um, mm. from a political perspective, there is an interest for for the government to, you know, look at this review and and see whether something can be done differently. Uh, but saying that, it's important to remember that uh, things don't happen very quickly in Japan. Uh, um, there's a whole process that needs to occur, particularly now that uh, there's going to be the announcement of a new governor replacing Governor Kuroda early next year. Um, then there's going to be a, a policy review, very likely, um, and this idea of a, a, a review to the accord that the, the government has with the Bank of Japan also needs to be seen in the context of the reality of Japan. And, you know, the, Japan has a huge amount of debt. The BOJ owns a huge amount of these bonds. And the idea that they will let go of the policy and, you know, forget about yield control we got to remember what sort of impact that would have from a financial stability point of view and increasing, you know, the 10-year JGB rate from, you know, essentially zero to 1%, for instance, that would be huge in terms of uh, the volatility right. will create in markets and also the potential uh, liability in terms of not, not only the losses that the Bank of Japan will have to incur, but also in terms of uh, what it means for interest payments for, for the government. So to us is that, yes, there are signs of a shift, uh, but we've got to bear, bear in mind that this shift is likely to be very, very, very slow. Glacial, yeah. All right, very good. Okay, and uh, we haven't got time to talk about it. We get retail sales for Canada as well for October, which is quite a while ago now, October, isn't it? But month on month, it's expected to be up a little bit after falling a bit in, in September. But if they're down, well, I mean, that perhaps heightens the chance of a pause from the uh, from the Bank of Canada. But that's something we will discuss next year because we've only got one podcast to go. And uh, that was your last one, Rodrigo. So have a great Christmas and New Year and, uh, and we'll catch you at in 2023 thanks Phil you too cheers sorry that took a while we, we just want to have everything said before the end of the year uh, and we've only got one more chance to do that that is the final edition of the morning call for this year that's tomorrow morning I'm Phil Dobby for NAB I'll see you then thanks for listening